Hello, lovelies. If you are listening to this on the day that it is released, that's Monday, December 25th. First of all, Merry Christmas if you celebrate. But you should also know that you are listening to this on the last day of the Choose Your Discount sale. Impact Fashion, your favorite destination for size-inclusive, modest fashion, goes on sale only once a year, and I put you in charge. Select styles are 40% off with code FINALSALE40, and for the rest of the collection, you decide. Use code STOREcredit15 for 15% off and the ability to return for store credit or code FINALSALE30 for 30% off your final sale purchase. The Choose Your Discount sale ends Monday night at midnight Pacific. So that's 3 a.m. Tuesday on the East Coast. And you can shop my entire collection of modest fashion pieces in sizes 2 through 28 at impactfashionnyc.com. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I sit down with two lovely ladies, a former full-time content creator and the owner of the Materials Design Co. to discuss running a small business in the current climate. We share how we have or have not been leading into our Jewishness, how spending habits have changed, and what we do when promoting your business feels weird. Running a Jewish business during a war is a unique experience that I am honestly sorry I'm living through, and I'm not alone. I started having conversations with my friend Barry Mitzman about how this time has changed us all, and then decided to have this panel conversation together with her and Ariel Selkin of the Materials Design Co. It's part insight, part therapy, part just getting it all out there. Hello, Barry and Ariel. Thank you so much for coming on today. It is, it's really great to have the two of you on today. And, and here we're going to have a little bit of a different kind of episode because this is the small businesses and wartime panel. It has been <laughs> a weird couple of weeks. Um, it has been draining in a lot of ways. And uh, it has affected, I think, pretty much every aspect of every Jewish person's life across the globe. Uh, and that means a particular thing when you are someone who owns a small business or interacts with a small business. So Ariel, I want to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about what you do, about what your business is, and uh, then we'll move on to you, Barry. Hi, yeah. I am Ariel. I own the Materials Design Co., which is an online shop featuring different makers and artists um, from around the world. And I curate that shop as well as make my own products for it um, and for other shops as well. I sell wholesale. Um, so those products are made with um, hand-dyed fabrics and textiles. My background is actually also fashion. Um, so I have gone into the uh, textile route. I um, fabrics with all botanical and natural dyes. I create a product. I have a product line that I sell on my site within my boutique, as well as to other shops. Um, and yeah, that's the gist of what I do. <laughs> so you create your own products I mean, and you I also curate others, right? Yeah. So my shop includes both hand dyed items that I have created as well as um, other makers products, um, which really I enjoy doing both equally. <laughs> so I have, you know, eventually I'd really like to open a brick and mortar. Hopefully that's in the next two years going to happen. Um, but for now, it's all online and I do a lot of pop ups and markets and things like that as well. That's awesome. And Barry, I, will I say that I really 
I keep trying to get myself in here. No, I was I was gonna say, Barry, I you I know that you love Ariel's stuff, which I'm sure is what you've been trying to say. Yes, her scarves are legit and they're like cotton. I got the small ones, I got the big ones. She like lets me know when they're out. So I'm like, great, I'll take two. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Um, and it's nice because I own both of your products, you know. Um, both um, boutique and also my own make like creation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also meant Rifkies and yours. Oh, both of them. Yes. Yes. I am a big fan, which kind of leads into kind of what I do or have to now. Uh, My name is Barry Mitzman. I was a full-time content creator, um, simplified a blogger, not exclusively for fashion, but there is fashion and mental health Um ways to support other people, bringing awareness to important organizations and things like that. But, you know, a few weeks before um, October 7th, I actually took a full-time position as a director of marketing for a mental health company based out of New York. And I thank God for that. <laughs> Let's just Talk to me about why lightly. you thank God for that. Because, I mean, this is actually a conversation that you and I have been having in bits and pieces over the course of like, I don't know, three years, um, you know, about what your page means and everything's like that. Um, the reason why I wanted to have, well, obviously, Ariel, you, you know, you're a fellow small business owner, you're going to provide your perspective. But in Barry's position, also, you are, you interact with a lot of small business owners, you promoted a lot of small businesses when you were a full time content creator, you become friendly with a lot of them. Um, and, and you also are kind of in this unique position where you have uh, you haven't left content creation, but it is no longer your primary source right. of income. So talk to me about right. that decision and why you are glad that you made it. Well, I mean, I also did, you know, I came out with a social media course based on all the information that I've, you know, gathered over the past years. And after, you know, running multiple influencer marketing campaigns for small businesses, and I am very passionate about solely promoting small businesses, preferably Jewish owned. Um, that's just what I'm passionate about. So you don't really see me promoting fast fashion or big box stores or things like that. Cause it's just, it's not my speed. I struggled with being a full-time creator a lot. Um, I didn't love the idea of pushing consumerism so that I could feed my children and, you know, purchase things for myself. Um, the whole game is if people don't like you enough, quote unquote, mm. then you won't be hired for a gig or you will likely be lowballed, or potentially just offered product for promotion, which at times may be valuable to the individual. However, dresses and earrings and wigs don't necessarily pay the bills. No, I take back the necessarily they don't. And wait, your mortgage very- company does not accept wigs as payment? Dude, I tried. I tried, man. <laughs> they're like, what type of hair is it? And then I'm like, the European, they're like, nah. Nah. But but there was this, also, it's very seasonal. There are certain times right. where, you know, business is quote unquote good for an influencer. Or I would get two marketing campaigns at one time. One minute, you know, it's great. It's easy. It's, you know, you have a bunch of clients at one time. A bunch of people join the IBA cohort, you know. You have a bunch of things, but let's say right after a holiday or whatever, there's there's just a lull for like three months. So it's a very seasonal business. 
and the anxiety of the lack of consistency so that I could feed my family was very challenging. And like I said, the pressure to be liked, say things the way people need me to say them or else I'm, you know, you know, create the assumption, insert the assumption here. It, it was a lot. And I started realizing pressure was getting to me. So when I was actually, God handed me this job, the, the CEO of the business found me on LinkedIn, had a bunch of interviews. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to roll with it. And he was like, okay, here are the requirements here, are the whatever. And it's, it's based on mental health and helping people find enjoyable ways to heal. And I was like, sign me up. So I'm a little bit, I'm mostly here in this full-time job, but I'm still doing what I can when I can be supporting small businesses, bringing awareness about mental health and, and important um, organizations that need our support and for people who need that sort of support. So yeah, like you said, I'm kind of here and there. Right. And Ariel, I'm curious, what has your experience been you know, what are your customers like? Are your customers mostly Jewish? I know that you are. How, like, how, how have your customers, um, you know, what, what have things been like for you? Like, what is, what is your, what do you usually do, you know, in the public eye when it comes to the materials design co? So, um, I would say I do have a rather large Jewish customer base solely for networking reasons. Um, like I, you know, know a lot of Jewish people. So then they'll come to me and then they tell my their friends about me and whatever. So there, there is naturally that Jewish customer base because of my personal community and communities I've lived in in the past that are very supportive. Um, I, I think one thing that has changed a lot, I mean, I have I have gained a lot of new customers that are not Jewish um, just because of my social media presence or the Google algorithm or whatever it is. I do have a lot of non-Jewish customers now. Um, one thing from the beginning of this, because I, from the beginning of my business, that rather, I never wanted to be a quote unquote Jewish business. I always kind of felt like I didn't want that to be part of my identity as um, as a, as a, a shop or a, a business, like obviously as personal identity very much, but not, it wasn't like in any, I didn't want to like block anyone off. I didn't want it to feel exclusive. I just wanted it to be for everyone who shared my aesthetic sensibilities and anyone, you know, so I was very much never playing the Jewish card at all throughout my business. And it was very intentional. Um, of course I'd, you know, occasionally share, a you know, picture of menorah or whatever, things like that, but nothing major. Um, this has changed that. Um, I, I don't know to the extent yet. I just started to feel like I didn't, uh, think that was a good approach anymore. I still want to be for everyone, but I think I, I think I want to be more, for Jewish people than I have in the past. And I don't know how that's going to change things going forward. I don't think my business will drastically change, but I felt like I needed to be there for Jewish people because I'm not a huge public figure at all. I only have a few thousand followers on Instagram. I'm not huge or anything, but there were people who needed to see Jewish people doing 
awesome things in life. Like they needed that during this time. And it felt all of a sudden like, oh, like I am Jewish. That's who I am. Like, why am I shutting that off for my business? So I'm still seeing how that will evolve in my business, but that's definitely something that's felt, I felt more strongly recently. So you've been like leaning into your Jewishness. So I did post, um, I did post reels and stories and even made a post about my Jewish identity during this time. Um, and one reel was about being like a Jewish small business owner during that time. So I have addressed that. I haven't been focusing on the war specifically on my page because it's just not something that I want to talk about in that space. I don't want to be a resource for anyone. So I definitely am avoiding that topic um, as like my front facing business. But I'm definitely talking about Judaism and people are reaching out to me who follow me um, who don't necessarily have Jewish community, which I, I'm happy to be that for people as well. So I definitely have been embracing my Jewish identity more. Um, Was that a hard decision to I, come to? Because that has been, I'll, I'll be honest, that has been something that I have really struggled with. Honestly, beforehand also, like there is rampant anti-Semitism on TikTok. It is TikTok is not a safe place for Jewish creators. And I resisted opening a TikTok account for precisely that reason. And I even like, I think a lot about online safety. I don't share any details of my family online or anything like that. Um, but also it's not like that difficult to figure out where I work out of. So like, I, I was just really cognizant of all of those things. And I had seen too many stories of friends of mine, and this is pre-October 7th, who were like literally their entire comment sections were just like Heil Hitler, which I am not interested in exposing myself to like that's just not a level that I can I, I'm not, I don't want to have to worry about needing to process that right so I resisted opening a TikTok account for a very long time for precisely that reason finally someone was like you're making the videos anyways for Instagram just post them and leave like just post and post and ghost and that is precisely what I do and since the war has started I will say that I have not personally experienced um, anti-Semitism on TikTok. However, I also have like 200 followers. So I don't know that that really is a good, like- Not a case uh, study. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, don't use me as an example, but per so far it's been okay. And the, like the idea of being publicly Jewish and recognizably Jewish in an online space is something that over the last, I want to say like year or so, has been something that I have found myself like thinking about in ways that I did not really ever- think that I would be thinking about was that like is that something that either of you really think about like Barry does that stress you out I after October 7th aside from the professional aspect of being like there is no way that I can you know earn an income without feeling disgusting on a platform right now and feeling insensitive there was just this with the reality of everything that was going on I chose not to share active news because there were people specifically in Israel who asked me not to and said, we live here. Everyone in America is posting, posting, posting. This is our outlet. Like, give us a minute. And like, I appreciate Ariel, you, you thought about it and realized like, this is not my place. And this is not my crowd. I know my crowd. If I say that I'm just screaming into the abyss because 
pretty much most, if not all of my followers are Jewish or Jewish adjacent or Jewish liking. Right. You know, there isn't a, it's just me affirming everything we already know. So I actually went to a support group and I was showing signs of depression, something I'm unfortunately rather familiar with. And I understand that the concept of depression is turning anger inward. And I had a lot of anxiety, not on the internet, but just like real life. Like I had to fly in for meetings for, for work. And I was in New York and then I was in JFK and I was like, okay, my head's hurting too much. Like I need to wear a headscarf. One of yours, Ariel, actually I was wearing, Mm. I remember. And I was just trying to be like super charming and super whatever. Cause I was just so anxious because I was so visibly Jewish. And then um, one of the people in the support group was like, why don't you just take that anger and bring it outward? Like own your Jewishness, just own it. So what did we do? My husband bought two flags because, you know, America and Israel, we have two flags outside our home. And for Hanukkah, we put up three giant blow up decorations. And some people made jokes to us like, oh, you're like pointing out where the shtetl is, like where we all live and da 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 da. I'm like, you scared? Like, what is going to happen? You know? See, the difference is that I am scared. I am like that legitimately scared. We right. can go down that road, but of course, like taking God out of the picture of like something can happen on the street of New York or something can happen in your bed, you know, like right. you just, you don't know. So for me, it was like, my husband and I are, are big followers of the Ribnitzer Rebbe, who was someone who we believe gave my father-in-law his circumcision in Soviet Union. And he would travel across the Soviet Union through forests, through different things to go and make sure that these Jewish boys that were born across the, the, the Soviet Union got their circumcisions. And he was still so much of who he was, wore his garb, made sure to learn even when it wasn't okay. And the last time I went to New York, I went and I prayed at his gravesite. He's actually buried in Muncie. And I'm like, let me own it. Like, let me remember that God is in charge and hiding my Judaism makes the problem worse because then I'm just not leaning into my faith. And listen, to be fair, I live in Nevada. I don't live in New York. I know it's a very different environment and I'm not invalidating anybody's feelings because yes, I also initially had those feelings. But for me, this is something that I was able to lean into to comfort me and also release some of that anger to be like, you know what? I'm going to own how Jewish I am. I will be wearing my star out. Sometimes I'll wear wigs, sometimes I'll wear scarves, but that decision won't be made on where I'm going. And I'm going to leave the rest up to God. But to be fair, that is not everyone's experience. And I also do believe that social media heightens the anxiety because before that, we wouldn't hear about things that happened in another state for for months. This is all happening in five seconds. Right. I think that also the idea of being visibly Jewish in my day to day life, I only had one experience. It was like mid-October. I pulled into Target and I realized the second that I pulled into the parking lot that I had a headscarf on. And my initial reaction was, oh, shoot, why didn't I put a wig on? I should have I should have worn a wig. And then it was just like, okay, couple deep breaths. You're going to be fine. And I walked to Target like I do every single week and did my grocery shopping and went home and, and nothing happened. That was the only time that I had that like feeling in real life. There was definitely a portion of time online where I felt that because online, it's a lot more 
it feels a lot more vicious, but it is ultimately less threatening to your actual physical safety, right? Yes. So it's so it's it's like it's nastier, but it doesn't really matter as much. And right. and that has been a little bit easier to navigate. And I want to be clear, like I haven't experienced anything personally, but it is something that I've thought about. And the truth is also like I couldn't pretend that I'm not Jewish online. Like at this point, it's pretty well documented <laughs> that like this is this is not an option. Um, so leaning into it has has helped to a certain extent, but I haven't. I, I don't know. It's just not something that I talk about as much. I'm actually really impressed, Ariel, that this has been like for you a situation where it's like, I am so Jewish and here is my Jewishness. Have you found the reaction to be generally positive? Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like it's a coping mechanism. Like I I wear I wear headscarves all the time. Like I don't wear shadels, um really just because I never got one. Um and I um so I don't really have an option as far as what I'm wearing out of the house and like what I look like. Um, I online, I definitely have felt like, um, I haven't felt threatened at all by putting myself out there as a Jewish person. I definitely like have made videos about my Judaism and dropped a chunk of followers immediately which I then made like a subsequent video about being like lost a bunch of people like within five minutes of posting that video it was not it was not like one or two it was like 10 or 15 immediately um but that actually makes me feel more safe that people who don't want to see me for who I am disappear from my page um I'm like great (laughs) goodbye that's great. Um, I don't want, you know, if I do share a picture of my child or something like that, which I don't do very often, but like, if I did, like, I don't want people who have a problem with my Judaism seeing any part of my personal life. So thank you for seeing yourself out. Um, that's sort of been my attitude. Um, as far as that goes, I, I have like a little bit of a different experience, like as a Jewish person, um, I actually am, I'm a convert because my mom um, wasn't Jewish when she and my dad got married. My dad is Jewish. So I'm genetically half Jewish, but I am also a convert. Um, And so actually half of my family is not Jewish at all. Um, And they primarily live in like Oklahoma and, um, but have been tremendously supportive, which has been nice to have, like, from like my non-Jewish family, everybody was like texting me and checking in on me. And it was really sweet. Um, and, and so like, I have like this kind of a little bit of a different background that may, maybe like, there might be something kind of within that, that feels a little bit different when it comes to sharing my Judaism. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm just sort of thinking about that. I can see how that would make a difference. Yeah. I mean, I don't really feel that Judaism was a quote unquote choice. Like I was brought up Jewish. I mean, we weren't religious when I was younger and like, you know, but I was raised to be Jewish. It was never like, it wasn't like I was an adult convert who decided to be Jewish later. It's very different experience, but, um, but I, I definitely like feel that ownership maybe in a slightly different way um because of that experience um but I don't know I I think that like whenever I post things about my Judaism my Jewish um 
identity. I do get a lot of people responding positively. Um, but to more importantly to me are the people who will send me a private message um, about how it really helped them. Because I think that happens a lot where people will be like, yeah, I'm feeling this completely. And it's either someone who just needs to share or someone who doesn't have their own personal Jewish community that they feel strongly enough like right now is giving them that like support because maybe they're not that involved or whatever. Um, So to me, like being visible in that way is important. If I can help other people, even though I'm not a page about that, I'm a page ostensibly about, you know, creating products and shopping and textile art and things like that. But I'm, you know, I'm out there, people follow me. And if I can help people out in that way, I think that's really important. That's very sweet. The other thing also is that this idea of like what to post, how much to post, is it insensitive to be promoting your products when there's a freaking war going on? Those are all things that I think everybody is is grappling with. I think that the three of us are on the same page and that none of us share news of of what's going on. That was a really intentional decision on my part, basically for all the reasons that Barry said before. People need a break. And if you're audi- – personally, I think that if your audience is mostly Jewish, it's irresponsible to share this news. Um was that like did did you all fall into that same kind of category of just I need to be this safe space? Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of liked to be that that space where like you just kind of can go and like explore something interesting. I don't feel I definitely read a lot of the news. I feel I am well informed, but there are people who are doing it very well, and I do not need to compete with that. Um, there's no reason for me to post news like it is it is findable and i am not a news source i never have been and that's not what i'm doing online did that feel insensitive especially at the beginning posting at all felt insensitive about anything that wasn't like directly related to Mm -hmm. like my judaism which was really the only thing i felt comfortable posting about in the very very beginning um Yeah, no, for sure. That was really challenging. I didn't know what to do. It was really tricky for me because for me, I I am still very much in the gift world. So like the holiday season, um, you Mm. know, Christian holiday season, I guess you could say, I was going to say the secular, but that's a ridiculous thing to say. Um, Holiday season is a big time of year for me. So for me, coming in from the Chagim, from the Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah through Sukkot, and basically not being able to get any work done, the day after Sukkot for me is my get the ball rolling, let's go and like get ready for the holiday season. And I was like pumped to get started. I was really inspired. I was motivated. And then this happened and I was like, I can't move. Like for a week, I was just like a blob. And that was, I mean... It feels very selfish to say that was a personal, very, very personal frustration because of the timing of everything. It felt like it totally, you know, to sound rather crass because of course it's like the least of our worries, but like wrecked my holiday season as far as the trajectory of my planning. And that was really tricky. Then I felt like I had to completely step back for a little while. Um, And then I guess I did what a lot of people did, which was create sort of like a fundraiser through my website where I felt like, oh, I can promote myself if I'm fundraising for Israel, which on the one hand, I definitely wanted to do. I didn't feel pressured to do that at all. It was very important to me and it wasn't like something I was just doing, but I was like, how can I share things to buy? I, you know, I guess let me let people you know support israel through these things like it was the only way i could come up with 
to stay at all in like to be able to post to be able to share anything that I'm doing um and then at some point you know I got a lot of support through that you know through that route and I donated a lot of money like I did not make a lot of profit it was mostly donations but I just kind of wanted to keep momentum um for my right. business even if I wasn't like making a lot of profit because most of it was going to the fundraisers um so that just kind of made me feel like I could at least stay in the water. But like, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't sent like a marketing email since that day. Like I, I have done other things, but like, there's just been a few things where I'm like, I just, I just am not in the mood. I need to get back on it, but I'm not quite there yet. Barry, has, has it been similar for you? No, I sent, I send out my personal opinions about different things, including what's going on in Israel in my email that people have to choose to opt into. So right. I've shared some I mean, of my that's thoughts your weekly and newsletter, basically. Yes, I have a weekly newsletter and people have to opt into that and can choose to leave. It's not like they're going to happen upon it. Um, it's an extra safety net for those who want to be selective about what they want to consume. And it's also an extra layer of safety for myself. At this point, when it comes to like the social media, like emojis and, and words and things like I laugh. Some person was like, I posted a video of like shopping in Evergreen when I was just in New York. And someone was like, Israel diaper force. I'm like, do you need me to get you a box of diapers? Like, is everything okay? <laughs> you know, like you're an adult, you might want to get that checked out. You know, at this point, initially I was like, I had this, like I said, a thank God that I'm not in the position of pushing product because number one. I knew that I I wouldn't feel okay with it. Number two, I was nervous about the judgment, but that wasn't top priority. That's like the, that's the last one. But also I knew that people were going to shop less. And if I were to ask someone to pay me to promote X, Y, and Z, and it does not convert well, then I feel terrible, though the views are there. Right. I can show this is whatever, but the fact remains that X, Y, and Z, and I even had a company where I was like, if I don't sell anything for you, like, don't pay me. But then after I'm like, wait a second, that means that I'm you just working work. for free. It just means that I'm working for free. And they were like, can you do it again? And I was like, mm, no, I cannot, because I also have a full-time job that I need to do and take care of my children and my spouse and myself and all these things. And it still is, though it is not my primary, you know, income source, you know, we all have things that still need to be paid off and stuff that needs to be done or things that, you know, ideally, please God for all of us, things that we just want. But the reality is right. most of us are not there. And I myself was really struggling with the idea that not only Jewish business owners were going to suffer, also Jewish charities we're going to suffer. If this your charity is, is not in point. Israel, if your charity is not in Israel, if it's not benefiting soldiers, if it's not in the land helping people, for the time being, it may have relaxed a little bit, but maybe for the past couple months, it's been priority. And yes, there are different debates about, you know, where you should be giving your charity. Maimonides says it's better to give $1 to a thousand charities than a thousand to one. You know, I'm very into diversifying your charity. Mm -hmm. And there are people who believe that every dollar should be going to Israel. So you should not be spending on restaurants or food or this or that and whatever. And I respectfully disagree. I do support 
organizations in Israel, I think it's extremely important. And I also support the local food pantry in my community. And I also right. support the organization that was helping survivors of trigger warning, sexual abuse in America based on what's going on in the world. Right, because that this has been hugely re-traumatizing for them with everything that's been going on in that arena and how like sexual assault and, and rape has basically been become a weapon of war. Correct. And there was a lot of triggering there. And I created a scarf with Rapunzel so that all the money from that can go to, you know, this organization that helps soldiers with PTSD. And that's great. And that's lovely and wonderful. But I also make sure that a percentage of whatever I make online, not my regular paycheck, because that needs to go to bills, goes back into Jewish owned businesses, whether that's restaurants, food companies, clothing companies, accessories, shoes, whatever it is, putting it back in there because a lot of people are, it's funny because on one hand, I hear people saying we're not spending, but on the other hand, I'm seeing more high-end bloggers being asked for certain outfits or certain items, you know, a thousand or less, 700 or less, 500 or less. And I'm like, what? I'm like, how can right. we say don't promote things that's gross, but also re realistically, like you are spending. So is it that you're just spending on the big box items and and just being like it feels weird to support a Jewish owned business because it's they're not giving all of their funds to Israel? Like it's, it's a luxury for someone to say we're going to give 100% of the proceeds. That's a luxury. And there and there's right. shame in I'm sorry but I need to pay for groceries or the tuition is coming up next week and I need to pay my bills. Like there's shame of like but is this going to Israel? Sometimes it can't. I think that it also boils down to 90%, I would say, yeah, I'm going to stick with that number. About 90% of the accounts that are popular in the Jewish space are businesses that support families, even if they present themselves as personal brands, meaning your favorite blogger who makes her paycheck by promoting products runs a small business that pays bills. And because we don't, see those companies. We don't see those types of accounts as small businesses. We think of them as people, which let's be perfectly honest, they work very hard to make sure that we do and they and they profit off of that. And I fall into this category also. People feel close to me and that makes it easier for them to buy my product. The the problem becomes when we see when we take what we see online and call that the sum whole of what that person cares about. And then that becomes like, oh, well, if you're talking about dresses, then you must only care about dresses. Girl, did you know there's a war going on? Why are you talking about dresses? Like, and and that becomes, it becomes that much harder to, to, to realize like, oh no, you're watching somebody at work. Like the same way that you might be a secretary and you go to your office and you sit at your front desk and you do your job. Me coming on Instagram and posting about my dresses is me going to work and doing my job. And it's it's very hard to, realize that distinction yes there's yeah been i think a that's lot a big that. sorry you go first ariel i'll pipe in after i was just gonna say i think especially with the online space being a much more personal interaction with brands and businesses who are often the face like like you and i like are the face of our brand um absolutely people will take that to me like they know everything that you think about because you post sometimes things that you think about so i think that's the same thing like the tone the the 
the um, kind of assumption that you're being tone deaf if you're selling a dress. Like you wouldn't walk into the mall and say to a, somebody in like, you know, the store there, you're so tone deaf for being here. There's a war happening. Like it's the same thing, but people don't perceive it the same way. And back to your point, um, Barry, about like restaurants and things like that. I, we went out to eat for an occasion um, maybe about a month ago. And it, it was a place that we usually can barely fit into. And it was basically empty. And I think hopefully that's getting better. But I think that like, it's important, just like what you're saying, to remember that there is a world and lives that are continuing on, we can't all pause, like, the mortgage doesn't pause, because we're feeling horrible. You know, we need to continue. Um, and understanding that like supporting other businesses, especially Jewish businesses who are probably struggling more than others right now to promote themselves and and ask you to support them are really important. You know, if you're going to buy something, if you're looking for something in particular, then like finding those people to shop from is like is is I would say it's important, you know, like is supporting those people is important at this time because in a moment where it's just harder to ask for that for themselves, like preempting that a little bit. I do want to say that I, I know bloggers work very hard. I myself am one, you know, a lot of the times we make money off of affiliate and let's say, you know, shop style, like it to know it, whatever it is, maybe you could get 10% off of whatever. And I feel like a lot of people are like, I'm not going to go to a restaurant, but I'm going to spend a lot of money in Costco or I'm not going to do a Jewish business because I'm not 100% sure of their sizing, but I'm going to do ASOS and Zara and Nordstrom and Saks and whatever, because like, I know that I have a safety net there, but also realizing that like 10% versus like 90% going to support, you know, Jewish owned businesses is something worth thinking about. Listen, people can shop where they want to shop. That's, that is the truth, but that's just something that I feel like is worth mentioning. It's just realizing the impact that you can make. I've been public about this, saying that I am focused on supporting Jewish-owned businesses right now because they're flailing, and it's hard. And as an influencer, there is this trauma response of, uh-oh, I don't want to turn on my phone Saturday night because what if there's a tragedy? And then I can't work this week. As an right. influencer, that is a concern for the past few years that we have had to deal with this. I have content planned for tonight and I agreed on a certain price. And if I go and share this, then I'm going to, I'm going to look like an X, Y, and Z put in all the offensive terms here. And I'm not going to be able to circle back to it for another two, three, four, five, six weeks before this, you know, comes down and then there needs to be a whole explanation of it's tearing me apart. I'm crying my eyes out. I feel so horrible and terrible, but you know, your support means the world to me and I love whatever. And I'm going to go back to this because I need to justify everything to you. Like, stop, just do your thing. You know, like we know we're hurting, but like we don't need to share with the world. Like if you want to share stuff, like, yes, if something really catastrophic happens, you pause for a couple of days, you pause for, I mean, in this case, it was a few weeks for some people. And 
And I thank God for some people that just completely dedicated it to activism and things like that. And I'm like, I'm so happy that you are financially able to do that. That's the first thought that right. comes to my mind. Right. And like, I've spoken I think that to it also, it also skates that. over the fact, right? it skates over the fact that I think that also a a good chunk of the influencers who are very successful at what they do were already independently wealthy, meaning it is easier to be better at this job if you are showing off a higher end lifestyle and you're not financing that lifestyle through blogging. Like I think I read a report once that like the average blogger in the US makes like $10,000 a year. You know, it's a side gig. It's not, not a full-time when job. Got, when, not when you have the shop style and the like it to know it. I've heard numbers where I'm like, good for you. That's an executive level position. Call it like, Good on you. But that's that. a that's an anomaly though. Yeah, true. So it's it also becomes that, you know, that you're saying, you know, I'm glad that you're able to financially do it. I think that that's true for anybody, for a good chunk of people who are blogging full time. It's something that they're able to financially do and like however money, however much they make, they make. It's not something that's like really supporting their family. Is that a, a fair assumption to make you think? No. Not based on okay. the people that I've spoken to in our community. There are people who have left their jobs because influencing was so lucrative through okay. different Amazon so outlets, wondering. different shop style outlets. There are people who are purchasing. That's just the reality. But it's like, so people are purchasing, but we're going to be feel, made feel bad to push Jewish owned businesses. Right. Explain thing. it to me. Uh, my experience in the last few years of owning a business and then the evolution of the world as we know it in the last few years, there have been traumatic incidents for certain groups or demographics or religions. And in those moments, uh, what I see on social media is the world coming, you know, obviously a huge one is the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, with the killing of George Floyd and then it was like amplify black voices, buy from black, like black, buy black owned um, products, shops, etc. And of course, that's totally fine and acceptable and it's important. But that is not happening now with with Jewish shops. You know, the world is not coming to say anti-Semitism is out of control. Like, let's hear what Jews are saying. Let's amplify them. Let's shop with them. Let's, you know, promote them. It's not happening. And I think it's important for people in the Jewish community to do that for themselves, at least to a certain extent, because it's not happening and it's not going to happen from the greater world. I think we all know that, <laughs> but, you know, I think we could do that for ourselves. I want to add on to that. There was, number one, there's been vilifying of people that go against other people's perspectives. It is tone deaf. It is tacky for these people to be doing X, Y, and Z to promote their business right now, this, this, and that. And then there have been people going and bashing people who've created subscriptions or Patreons. And it's like, that's disgusting. That's whatever. In the non-Jewish world, it is standard. The like, you want right. to support me keeping to do my work? Send me a Venmo, send me a cash app. And in our community, it's like, how dare you? Why would you do that? You are so self-centered. Go get a job, but, but don't stop entertaining me. But go get a job. Right. Because there's also this inherent belief that there is no, that it's not a profession. And and it it's very time consuming to be a content so it creator. It is a full-time job. It is a full-time job. That's not a question. Correct. 
But there's this like a horror of like, oh, so I'm just supposed to support these whatever businesses. And then I just see so many people who aren't like within the community who are just very generous with this. Like, let's say I'm sick, you know, with mm-hmm. I am. It's a good example. There are some people that I never would have expected to be like, oh, I get like a pretty good stipend every month. So like, I'd be happy to, you know, send you guys a meal or something. And I'm like, this is like, there's like a view that like money is there to support other people. And like, that's beautiful. And I think that we have a view of content creators and people that gather information and provide a service for us as, well, I deserve it. You need me in order to make money. I don't need you, but you need me as the consumer. I think that, yes, I hear that. And I also think that part of that is that particularly in our community, which let's be honest, can be a little judgmental sometimes. There is a, there is a, there is a status symbol tied to the number of followers that you have, which is not exclusive to our community. That's across the board. That's just online. And aside from that, there is also a fear of your followers. I think that too many people get caught up in, like you said before, if they like me, then I will do better. And and they have to like me. And that means that they have to like me. Like that's, it, it speaks to who I am as a person where the the approach that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is a little bit different, which is like, I, and I've said this so many times before, I don't care how many followers I have. Don't care how many followers I have. Don't care how many likes I have. Don't care how many comments I have. You, If you ever see me say, please go like this video, call the cops, I have been kidnapped. Literally, that is the reaction you should have. Because for me, I think that it's really just about understanding that your audience doesn't owe you anything. And for the audience to understand that the people you follow don't owe you anything. We don't know each other. We are not in a real relationship. I am not your dancing monkey and you are not my, like you don't owe me likes and followers or whatever. If I provide you with something valuable, then you can choose what that's worth to you. Whether that means liking or commenting on a video or going and purchasing a product. I don't, I I just, I find it so hard to get caught up in that that game of like constantly chasing the metrics and everything like that. Maybe it's easier for me to say that though, because I make my money from the product. You know, my, my business is not based on the engagement. So it's a little bit of a different kind of relationship. Yeah. I view it more as like, basically your view is like, you don't owe me anything. I don't owe you anything. In the blogger perspective, the ideal is I value you being here and you value the time and effort that I contribute to provide these things for you. And to me, so that seems like you're just trying a to respect. get validation from a toddler. That's like, right to here. me, it feels like you're going to a toddler and you're saying, listen, Bubala, I made your bed. I changed your diaper. I made you food. I got all the toys. Look at this beautiful house that you live in. I need you to feel good about that. And that toddler will throw a book in your face. Like they just, it's, it's not, that toddler is just there. Do you know what I mean? They're not. I think you like, have a more pessimistic view of what a follower could be. <laughs> it's true. It's possible. But I, but also I will say this, I have formed real deep friendships and relationships with a lot of my followers, but, but again, I don't depend on them in the same way that a blogger does. Right. It's true. But also if Barry's making, you know, if she's making content that needs to be, to reach certain metrics to, meet the approval of the people who paid her for it, then it is relevant. Right. It's a different business model. Yeah. It makes sense. I don't want to do it anymore. 
I don't want to do it anymore, which is why I, right. you know, I, I try to lean towards more things that speak to me. And I give a lot of props to the people who have remained full-time content creators because they are helping a lot of businesses and um, hats off to them and hats off to you guys for pushing through and trying to do what we're all doing is get through survive and be able to pay our bills while doing it. Right. I think that also when it comes to all of this, just to clarify, it's not that I don't have a pessimistic view of followers is that I don't see them as owing me anything. That's the main thing it's that like I put out what I want to put out. And if you want to buy a dress, great buy a dress. And if you want to like a video, great like a video like it that's that's where it goes but uh speaking of barry's full-time job she has a meeting in two minutes so we have to wrap this up <laughs> um ariel can you tell me um if somebody wants to learn more about the materials design co see what you do see your gorgeous products where are they going sure um i am on instagram at the materials design co and i am online and my web shop is the materials it's plural the materials design co.com and you can find everything there um and definitely find me on instagram and get in touch because i love talking to people there and her stuff is really cute and definitely check it out barry where can people find you in my house hiding but if you want to find me on the <laughs> if you want to find me on the internet though um, you can find me at Bariana on Instagram on there. You can probably find my website to opt in for the off the grid emails. Uh, I'm on Which the- I get, by the way, those emails are awesome. So you should opt in for them. I do oh, look forward thanks. to them every week. They're very good. And I do hope to see if I can get back on the Woman of Valor podcast situation. But if you haven't listened to that in the past, once you're done with all of Rifkies and you're caught up because she is way more consistent than I am, you can come in and catch up on the, you know, significantly less episodes I've done in a significantly longer amount of time. <laughs> and I'll link that in the show notes. Barry does host a great show. It's definitely worth um, checking that out. Last question for both of you. Barry, where in your life do you feel you've made the most impact? Honestly, myself and my family. Love it. I I thought it would be on, you know, the amount of people I've helped get therapy or decide to go on medication or, you know, join different things to help themselves. But honestly, past couple of years, been working on myself, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my children. And I think it's made us all better. And I'm happy to have been able to refocus that. I love that. Ariel, what about you? Yeah, I would say, I mean, that is wonderful. And I feel like I also agree for myself. But when I think about like how I like to make an impact, I definitely and how I feel like I have, I feel like I I talk to a lot of people. I feel like uh, people feel comfortable talking to me. And so in that way, like I hope to be um I hope to be like someone that people can talk to um, in in a more of a connecting way, not like you don't have to confide everything in me, but like I'm here and I'm around and I'm there for people. So I do try to make an impact in that way. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on today, too. I really appreciate it. Thank you. For having us. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Barry and Ariel, their links are in the show notes. On last week's episode, I went solo to talk about the Choose Your Discount sale, which ends Monday, December 25th at midnight Pacific. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of impact fashion. The clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 28 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 20 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. 
View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getorg.org slash recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Itzquitz. Catch me on all the socials at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.